Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I am a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Today's episode is a mini-sode that we call Fried Dates with the Wife. In these mini-sodes, my wife Kim and I deconstruct the strategies that we've developed over the last decade to not only grow personally, but to turn our struggles into lessons and create fulfillment in all areas of our lives. Excuses are over. It's time to live. Let's dig into today's topic. All right, before we jump into this episode, I want to invite you to be considered for my Work Hard, Play Hard Mastermind by completing an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. So this mastermind is not like any mastermind you may have been to or heard of, I promise you. This mastermind is for six to seven figure entrepreneurs that are working too damn much and aren't taking the time to have amazing experiences around the world with an incredible tribe of people. So every 100 days or so, I drop you into new experiences that are specifically designed to elevate your thinking, to give you new ideas. Look, you get your best ideas not staring at a computer. And actually, this is the way high-level people really collaborate with each other. They do it over a glass of champagne, watching the sunset in the south of France. So if you are ready to do some fun stuff around the world and really, really want to level up your tribe in one shot, fill out an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. We'll jump on a call and we'll see if it's a good fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. Kimberly Cappuccini Murgatroyd. How are you? I am so good. We are outside, if you guys uh, can't tell. You know, our editors are so damn good at removing background noise that you might not even be able to tell, but we are outside, and so you're going to hear... In a cafe. You're going to hear Vespas and... My cappuccino. Clanking plates and blah, blah, blah. But we are off today, and uh, we're a bit limited on time, and uh, we thought we would do it this way so that we did not not deliver an episode like we did uh, a couple of weeks ago a couple of weeks ago but so, we are, we, why are, are we, here? we are three months into our journey we like today uh, no like a couple days ago was our three months in uh, Florence anniversary if you can call it that mm-hmm. and we basically the irony is we celebrated it by going to the local I'm going to call it the police department but it's it's a little bit different. It's a government office called the Questora. And we had to go and uh, do the second part of our visa. The visa gets you, that you do in the States gets you into the country. And then you get an appointment and you have to go to the in fingerprint and all these things. Can you name what it's called, what we got? The, uh, we, permiso di sejorno. Mm-hmm. And we had to go. You know what that means literally? Uh, permission to stay. Permission to stay. It's permission. So we got permission to enter. Now we need permission to stay. And to do that, you have to be fingerprinted and all of these things. And apparently this whole process takes like five months. But we did it on the day of our three-month anniversary here. All right. So I, thought, so I th- we thought what we would do is sort of sort of share with you some interesting little things that we've been through 
or learned or, or learned. whatever. So let, let's let's start off with the first one, which is um, what you just said, the permissa de sojourno. So imagine going into a government uh, building. It sort of looks like, you know, an old world torture chamber in a medieval bil- village that's that's turned, you know, um, government office. And well, can I give something first? Yeah. How we even got this. So what you have to do, because this is fun, and this will basically describe Italian bureaucracy in a nutshell. So when you arrive in Italy with your visa, you have seven days to go to the post office to get a package, which you then have to enter all of the same documents you gave the consulate in America and you have to pay for and request an appointment at the Questora and for this permiso. They automatically assign an appointment. There's no changing your day or time and you must be present. So our appointment was at 12.12, okay, in the afternoon. Ask me, what are the open hours of the Questora? 8 a.m. to 12. But our appointment time was during their lunch break. But it doesn't really matter if you have an appointment time because they don't care. They take you in the order in which you arrive. And so the rule is you show up at the Questora before at least an hour before they open at eight. So you have to arrive at seven and stand in line. Like everything in Italy, they give you a deli ticket number and you're called when you're called. So your appointment time doesn't matter at all whatsoever. Now, um, the bureaucracy here is, is of course, maddening, as, as Kim is describing. But there's also a humanity, because the person that I'm now calling the window man, the guy behind the, uh, the window, they are still Italian, and they can't help but be Italian. So when they were trying to fingerprint me yesterday, I think I was so nervous that my fingertips ran out of blood. And when, I, when they tried to, like, you know, press my hand onto the electronic scanner, it wasn't detecting. So the window man leaves, goes behind, um, you know, those double doors behind him and goes into his bag and pulls out suntan lotion. Okay. Like, you know, like the stuff you'd give to your kid, right? Like 50, you know, 50, 50 sunscreen, um, big, thick copper tone, copper tone, right? Comes, comes over, grabs, makes a motion, like, give me your hands. And then I'm like, what? I thought he was going to handcuff me. It was like, what? 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 What's going on? And he said, uh, he, he doesn't speak English, and he starts squirting suntan um, cream in my hands and massaging it in. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening right now? And then he goes, okay, now try. Basically, he points to the thing, and it worked. So he knew that the suntan, the suntan thing was going to work. So even though things are maddening, there's still the humanity behind. The, the window man that can help being Italian and they will absolutely help you. And it's absolutely mad, maddening. So it's both. Um, that's the first one. All right. You do, you do one of yours. What's, okay. on, what's on your mind? So one of the things that I thought was fun is, you know, I hear, I mostly go to the market, to the big Mercado, which is like, imagine the open air, what do you call it in America? Uh, farmer's market. And did you op- just turn into the Italian? I did. Comisidice. Comisidice. Comisidice, where you go shopping yeah. outside. Yes. Ah. So the, it's like a farmer's market. So 
Um, that's where I typically go, but I still have to get some things. Like, let's say I want to make a cake. I need flour, sugar, and like the stuff like that. I need a grocery store. So there are grocery stores um, that I have gone to, but they're very small in the city because we live in the city. They're very small and they're not super well equipped with all the things. There's another kind of grocery store called the co-op or the coop. I don't know if they call it the coop or the co-op, but it is just outside most city walls in more of like the residential areas. And I took a really long walk the other day and I passed one, so I went in. I walked in this thing. I felt like I landed on Mars. First of all, it was the most beautiful. It looked like Whole Foods. It was huge. Every, it, like food, like everything you could possibly imagine is there. However, I felt a little insecure because I don't know the process. You walk in, you get a cart like you would in the US, but you also get a scan gun. And the scan gun has a holder on the cart. And I'm watching what people are doing. And as they're putting things in the cart, they're scanning it. And I'm like, is this really like in my head, I'm trying to figure out, are they scanning to check the price or are they scanning it? And then when they go to check out, the cashier just takes their scan gun and they pay. Like, what is happening? But I didn't know the process, so I was definitely not going to get in. When you're in the more residential areas, people don't speak as much English, and I wasn't planning on getting yelled at that day in Italian. So I didn't want to screw it up. So I just sort of walked around. Then I saw these grocery carts, and I don't mean a cart. How do you describe it? It's like a, a two-wheeled grocery bag that you wheel. Okay, because a lot of people walk to the grocery store. So you have this like thing that you wheel behind you and they're chained up outside. So they're literally chaining up a grocery cart like it would be like a bike, you know, like you would chain up a bike, like you would chain up a bike. They're chaining up a grocery cart. And uh, it was really, really confusing to me why they had to do that. But apparently... Sometimes people will steal your grocery cart. I don't really know. So I later asked our language teacher about it. And she said that when you go to the co-op, you have the option to scan all of your groceries and check out. And she said, I don't really know how they do it. I think they just trust you. And trust in Italy is a very big thing. We've talked about this before on the podcast it's vouching. You vouch for your friend. People trust one another. And there's this inherent, like, I trust you or I don't thing. And so I think when you go to checkout, if you've scanned all of your groceries and you hand them the little scan thing, I think they make a judgment call and they say, do I trust this person? And they probably look and say, okay, there's 10 items. There looks to be about 10 items in the cart. I think I'm going to trust them and you just pay. But in America, can you imagine if people walked around Walmart just scanning their shit and how this could go so wrong? But somehow here it works. Yeah, and it's, so it's interesting. Like yesterday, to that point, um, I found this really, really super cool coffee shop that I go to, and um, you know, I'll be there three, four hours, and you know, whatever I want, I'll go up Do and you eat meatballs. Every uh, day? Yeah, no, 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 different things. I mean, she's got all kinds of stuff. Um, but like at the end of the day, but it's a coffee shop that basically has a full restaurant. Yeah, it's a full restaurant and a wine bar and a wine bar. And so at the end of the day, you Do know, when I leave, she goes, um, what'd you have? 
And I was like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Don't you remember? Yeah. No, they, uh, all, they don't give you a ticket. They ask you what you had. It's so interesting. It's, but the trust on that, like, just think about that in America. First of all, I don't remember what I had. But I can't tell you how many times I go to pay for something. And they're like, what did you eat? What did you get? And I'm like, oh, we had this. Oh, we also had that. But they don't really know. And they're just trusting you. But isn't it beautiful to live in an environment that when you know you will be trusted, your your level of ethics, I guess, probably rises to the trust. Because you know if they... Uh, sorry, everybody's opening up shop. Um, you know that if they are trusting you, if you ever screw that trust up, you'll never be trusted again, right? So yeah, your um, your your word is your word is your bond here. Okay, your word is your bond. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to to the next area, and that is let me see, poop. garbage man poop. I think poop gate is interesting. So did we talk about it before? I feel like we talked about it. No, we didn't. We, we haven't. We haven't. We haven't talked about it before. All right. So on this particular morning, we dropped Sophia off at the. Uh, the bus stop, and the freaking dog decides to take a crap right on the corner there. And there's no there's no grass patch anywhere. There's no place to do it. No, no place to like have her go. So you got to do it on the cobblestone streets. And they don't mess around here when it comes to like dogs pooping on the streets. Like a cop will literally you know stare at you until you pick it up, or a person will come over and tap you on the shoulder. Which so, we always do. Which we always do. Uh, there was one morning where I ran out of bags and I got. Uh, it scared the hell out of me because the cop was like, you got to pick this thing up. And I was like, I know, but I don't have bags, but I didn't know the Italian word for bags. He didn't know what I was saying. And I had to walk upstairs, leave the poop on the floor. And I've been forever traumatized. But on this particular morning, I did have a bag. Sophia's bus, uh, you know, she jumped on the bus and then uh, we picked up, uh, I, I picked up the poop. And um, about a block away, from where I picked up the poop is the garbage can. So I started making my way towards the garbage can with the with the poop bag. And about halfway down the block, I see a sanitation truck. And I automatically assume that I'm going to get yelled at because of the poop. But I couldn't understand what he was waving to me for. He slowed because down next to us and started getting your attention. Started getting my attention. And I'm like, dude, I've got the poop in the bag. Like, relax. But then I see he's smiling at me. And then he makes a motion with his hands, like, uh, imagine like an arc over his shoulder, pointing to the back of his truck. And I'm like, what does he... And I go, I think that he wants me to toss my poop in... Not my poop, Gia's poop, <laughs> in the back of his open truck where he's putting... The trash. The trash. And he's smiling at me and he's making this over and over, this hand gesture. And then I went, oh, okay, he wants to have some fun. So then I hammed it up with him and I took uh, a Michael Jordan three-pointer with the poop um, up and threw it in the back. And he just thought it was hysterical. I laughed and it, and this is all going on at 7.45 in the morning, right? I laughed, it gets hysterical and then he does, you know, the extra 10 feet to the garbage can and he was actually going to empty the garbage can that I was walking to. But he thought it would be more fun and more interesting to have me throw the poop in because he saw it. And so, you know, what's the lesson? Would this happen in America? I don't know. Maybe. Has it ever happened to me in America? No, I never had that happen there. There is a 
a playfulness. There's an interaction that even I, after being here for three months, still don't realize the amount of foreplay that the Italians want to have with each other as they're going through their day. The chit chat with the garbage man, the chit chat with the coffee person, the chit chat with the person that's selling you the tomatoes. It is it's it, life. It's a priority here. They can't do it. They can't have an exchange with you. I went out yesterday to uh, look for um, uh, to get a new jacket made. They sat with me. It must have been two hours where we were talking about life and business and how they got into becoming tailors. And before we even discussed the coat and I'm actually finding myself now very uncomfortably sitting down with people and going like, so what do you do? Because I want to know who they are. Nobody even asked me what the hell I do anymore. It's a very interesting, and I'll call this one foreplay. What do you, what else you got? All right. So I want to talk about the, the produce here because, and the reason I want to talk about it is because I read uh, the book. Um, what's the name of the book I read? For the for the love of food, mm, it's a good name. For the love of food, is that the name of it? Uh, yeah. So I read this book, and I if you haven't read the book, oh, I'm sorry. In defense of food, oh, not for, Michael. Pollen. Yeah, Michael Pollan. In defense of food, and I was reading this book, and it was written I don't know decade ago or whatever, and he's talking about things that are part of the reason why there's so much sickness in America. And it's a lot of it is relating to the food. And I'm not going to get in detail on it, but I was noticing a couple of points that he made that don't exist here. For example, people don't typically eat food that is local because in America, you have year-round oranges, year-round papayas, year-round peaches, but you probably but if you live in New England, you wouldn't have any of those things. You would have squash and you would have other things, but you wouldn't have this year-round um, global fruit and vegetable. But in the summertime, you would because it's it's relevant to the vitamins that you need in New England in the summer. Right. And so he was talking, making a really interesting point about eating local seasonal food, and that is also um, organic, or as they say here, bio. And he was talking about how farms in the States typically focus on one product. And not just one product, but one variety of a product. So one variety of spinach, but the whole farm does spinach versus these small local farms that have a variety of fruits and vegetables. And he, I can't tell you why, you'll have to read the book, but he was making points that when you have a farm that is has a variety of fruits and vegetables, you, there's a lesser need for pesticides and toxins because it doesn't, it, they don't get infested. But if you have a giant spinach farm of one variety, they're going to be more infested and have a likelihood to need more pesticides. And what I noticed here is that when I go to the market and I say, can I get spinach? There's four different kinds. Or can I get, 
you know, whatever the food is, whether it's a pepper or a tomato, I swear to God, there has to be 9 million kinds of tomatoes here. And if I ask for tomatoes, they ask me what my intention for the tomato is. Because if <laughs> I my- I wanted to get married. I wanted <laughs> right. to have a happy family. Right. I want her to, I want, their, I want her children to go to college. Right. And I'm like, I am going to make a salad or they're like, are you going to make a salad? Is it for a caprese or is it to make sauce? Like, what's your intention for said tomato? Because they're different. And there's such a, a variety. He also talked about a variety in meat and that in the States, we typically eat one type of chicken and one type of cow and it, there's not a variety in it. And so it's creating these intolerances. And I, again, I'm not going to go into the book, but my bigger point is that I was looking at what we have here and I went, we went to dinner the other night and I had some sort of, I don't even know what it was called because it was an Italian, but it was a, another version of a chicken, but I had never heard it before. It was another version of a chicken or another version of whatever. And so they have, there's not just one kind here. There's other versions of poultry that I've never seen before. And so for me, the aha moment was that the food here is local. I can't get peaches. It's We're in November. I can't get peaches, but I can get porcini mushrooms. But in the spring, I'm not going to be able to get porcini mushrooms and I am going to be able to get peaches. Right now, it's when we go into a restaurant, it's artichoke season. So you can get artichokes. My daughter loves zucchini flowers, but you can't get those right now because that's summer. But you can get artichokes. And so it's seasonal. It's local. It's bio because these farms are small and they produce lots of different varieties. And so they don't use pesticides. A lot of them aren't marked organic. They're not certified organic. But here you don't have to be because they pretty much all are just naturally. And there's a variety. So for me, I've been on this hunt of why are the Italians healthier and have a longer life expectancy? And this is one part of it from reading In Defense of Food to looking at what was available in America versus what's available here. And by the way, it's so cheap. I go and get a, a week's worth of groceries and fruits and vegetables and, and burrata and chicken and all of this stuff. And it's like 70 bucks. And I can't even believe it. So that's my that's my share, my aha for. All right, I'll give you one more. So the next one is I'm going to call it. Uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get this wrong. So please don't correct me. Copa di Adia, which is um, basically uh, the Italians believe that the air is going to attack you. Um, it is a very very strange phenomenon. It, my observation of this. And it's very serious here. It's very serious. Um, my observation of this began when we were in Mykonos. Um, we go every year for the last 15 years and we see the Italians who come generally in August and it's the middle of the summer. It's like 90 degrees out and um, they are riding on their scooters with, it, it looks like they're- a, The frosting a, on a cupcake. Yeah, it looks like the frosting on a cupcake. Good good way to put it, around their neck as a scarf. So they have a scarf around their a neck. A summer scarf. A summer scarf that's wrapped around 15 times that's knotted in a way that you have to take, uh, you have to get a master's degree to be able to understand um, how to do this. And I'm like, that's just really crazy. And why do they do it? They do it because when they're riding a scooter, the wind is going to be blowing their neck. Okay, well, that's unusual. That's weird. Um, and then I come here and I see um, that every single... That's really funny. Siri is talking. Um, then I come here and I see that the scarves... It doesn't matter if you're in the summer or, if you're, or in the obvious winter. Um, they are wearing it all the time. Okay, so fast forward to uh, two weeks ago, I go out. 
and I was feeling absolutely fine. Um, and then we were on our way to go to dinner, and right before I went to dinner, I just got this immediate like, God, I don't, I don't feel good. Um, but all right, let's get ready. Let's go to dinner. So uh, before we go to dinner, I walk, I take the dog outside for a little walk. But did you um, wear a coat and a scarf? And I did not wear my coat and scarf. And the weather is probably fifty degrees. Yeah, it was probably sixty. Okay, <laughs> that's how good. That's all right. So now, so now I go outside um, and I walk the dog, and I run into the concierge in our building. Uh, we have a little chit chat, and he says, "Oh, you got to get going. I made a reservation for you." And I said, "Yeah, no, no, I know. I, I'm running late. I just had to walk the dog." So I go upstairs, but I'm not really feeling great. I walk upstairs, and if you've ever had this happen, where like instantaneously you went from "Oh my God, I think I'm going to throw up," and you can't even get the word "throw" out of your out of your mouth, and and then you're actually throwing up. And so I turned into Linda Blair, spinning my head and shooting green pea soup uh, everywhere. It was gnarly. It was really, really bad. And after like the third round of you know of this, I texted the concierge. Uh, and I said, "Hey, I don't know what happened. I just, uh, I just got sick out of out of nowhere. I'm so sorry. Would you mind canceling it?" And he texts me back, "Maybe you took a cold when you were outside walking the dog." Now, the span of time between me walking the dog outside for two minutes and me coming upstairs and throwing up and texting him was a total elapsed time of ten minutes, which is. Meaning to say that in his mind, I literally walked outside and violently threw up because the because I did not have a jacket on in fifty degrees. So I went, okay, this is really crazy. So the next day I was feeling better, and I went out to dinner with a friend. Who's, well, you were, you posted it on social media, and I, the, your Italian friends immediately responded. They said, you know, they they said absolutely. So I did some more research about this, and I realized that every ailments that you have, whether it's indigestion or throwing up uh, or neck pain, is going to be traced back to a draft coming in through your window, to you sleeping with a, an air conditioning on that's blowing on your neck, to you walking outside. Any, any air in any way that is blowing on your neck there's a there's a there's a really good chance any air that's blowing on your neck there's a really good chance that you are going to um, get sick from uh, from the air. So I go out to dinner with a buddy of mine and uh, he said, "How you doing?" I said, "Good." And I told him the story I just told you about the concierge, and he said, "It's probably what happened." And I looked at him to check to see whether or not he was joking. He wasn't. He was convinced that oh, it's pretty possible that you could have gone outside. So. Why? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't believe it. But now I, don't, I find myself putting a scarf on. But I'll tell you. And wrapping Sophia up. I tell you, if Sophia walks outside and her neck, her neck is exposed, I say you gotta, you gotta cover that. <laughs> you, you can't walk around like that. Um, it is absolutely something. So there are things that you will walk around here and you will absolutely be judged for doing. And if it's bad enough, they will publicly Shame like. You. There's a there's a there's a um, what's the what's the the circle in the uh, in the square where they where they uh, where they did yeah. public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, in medieval times, they did public spankings when you did. And there's a circle where like they took you to spank your ass For publicly. Debtors. And, and I still I think if they could, they would have spanked my ass for not having the uh, the neck. The next thing on. Okay, but your ass can be bare for a spanking, but you're and catch the draft, but the wind cannot go on to the neck. It's all about the neck. It's all about the it's neck. It's all about the neck. You got any more? Are you done? It's all about trust. 
having fun, connecting, and God forbid you don't cover your neck. It needs to be covered. That's it, everybody. Have a great week, and we will see you next week. All right, thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.